We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Sarah. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Frankie? I'm good, thank you, Sarah. This seems like a very professional start. We're very formal, aren't we? Yeah. Not quite yeah, sure Well, I mean, why. considering you were just telling me how you're rooting around in your bra before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> in a workplace filmed interview, yeah. <laughs> There's no more explanation needed for that. I think that's fine as it is. Yeah, they're lucky to have me. Wow. A lot of people pay a lot of money for that, actually. So they are. Obviously. They get you for a bargain price. Yeah. But now, you know, back to the professional filming slash recording. Exactly. So, Sarah, can we just get down to business? Mm. So what the theme of this month? Do you want to tell the people? Yes. So this month's theme was the first in a series, a crime thriller or, you know, something in that genre series. How did you find choosing your one? Actually, I found it quite simple, mostly because there's an author who has a series that I've read. Uh, there's 10 books in it, and I don't think I've read quite all of them, but I've read most of them and mm. loved them. So initially, I would thought, because I started reading them years ago, I was like, I might go back and reread the first one. And then when I was looking up, I realised that she'd started a new series a couple of years ago. So I read the first book of that instead. So I didn't find it too difficult to choose. But what about you? Interesting. Uh, I did start one and then I was like, I don't think this feels right. Oh, no. Yeah. But then I remembered one that I'd read a few years ago and I really liked. I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back to that one. So not to jump ahead too much, but that's what I've done. So I did a little revisit and yeah, hopefully it will be interesting for people. Well, we'll see. The whole podcast, that's what I worry about, to be honest. But, you know, they've gone this far. Oh, yeah, they love it. I love doing a revisit of a book that you've read years ago and you really don't mm. remember that much about. So, like, the twists still catch you by surprise, but you remember enough to know that you really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's quite a satisfying read. Yeah, definitely. And I think you notice things on a reread that you wouldn't have noticed the first time around. So, yeah, to the experience. Definitely. So, Sarah. Yes. Proceed. Tell us what your book is or build up to it first, whatever. Whatever, whatever style you want to take. Okay, so the author that I was talking about, don't know if you've ever read anything by her, it's Rachel Abbott. No, I haven't. So it's interesting. The book I read was called And So It Begins, which is the first book in her Stephanie King uh, series. Okay. And I was actually having this conversation with Char last night and I was saying that I am not a big fan of police procedural stories mm -hmm. because I, th I think it's that they focus too much on the police and like their personal lives and stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't really do it for me. I kind of want to see it from the either the victim or the um, criminal's point of view or, you know, get an idea of what's going on beyond just the facts of the crime. Yeah. So that puts me off a lot of the time. But Rachel Abbott doesn't do that. And it was the same with the first series that I read as well. She kind of, although they are based around these characters, she finds this fantastic balance between the police who are the, I was going to say the stars of the show, you know, <laughs> the police who are the recurring characters yeah. and the uh, the other characters in it. So the, the people involved in the crime. Right. And I think that's what makes me enjoy them so much. Plus, she writes really fantastic characters as well, like just 
you kind of you like them Mm. but they're still realistic so um yeah bit of a spoiler alert I guess I loved the book so I shall read you the synopsis yes please so this is how it ends it's clear to me now one of us has to die who will believe your story if the only witness is dead Cleo knows she should be happy for her brother Mark he's managed to find someone new after the sudden death of his first wife but something about Evie just doesn't feel right When Evie starts having accidents at home, her friends grow concerned. Could Mark be causing her injuries? Called out to their clifftop house one night, Sergeant Stephanie King finds two bodies entangled on blood-drenched sheets. Where does murder begin? When the knife is raised to strike or before at the first thought of violence? As the accused stands trial, the jury is forced to consider, is there ever a proper defence for murder? I actually don't think that that synopsis does it justice. I think it's quite an intriguing synopsis, though. I'm intrigued. That's good. So I think it was even better than the synopsis sounds. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's based around Sergeant Stephanie King is the police woman. Well, not police woman. She's a sergeant, obviously. And it's, yeah, it's about this. It's kind of the main character, I suppose, actually isn't stephanie it's evie the the second wife and i don't think it's a massive spoiler alert having read that summary to say that evie kills her husband right and it's about why did she do it can she be justified in doing it exactly and i think that's another thing i loved about it you don't know if he was abusive or not until you get quite a way through the book so you really are i suppose seeing it from the police and the jury's perspective in that way Mm. so though you see snippets of their life you don't get that question answered and in court until quite late in the book but I have to say the pacing as well was absolutely fantastic there wasn't any part of it I was like oh my god can we just get through this bit so we can find out what happened or see what's happening next it was paced fantastically and even though not all the characters were likable they, I still, none of them kind of turned me off and made me not want to read about them. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. Which I think is also quite an achievement. So just go back to the bit you're saying about pacing, like pacing in a crime novel is so important. Yeah. And after I finished it, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking, actually, I think that's probably part of what turned me off a bit about the Harlan Coben book that I read recently, The Stay Close. Yeah. I think that was a pacing issue right? or a large part of it was a pacing issue. I think it's quite tricky to get right as well because you have to find that balance of keeping people interested and keeping the story moving at pace, obviously, but also not have it. So it's just like constant twist and turn and feeling completely unbelievable and almost exhausting to read. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how, I mean, it's, you know, this is why these crime authors are so clever, like Mm. masters of the craft, because you're not only you trying to develop a character and you're trying to get like keep the essential elements of your plot going Mm. but you also have to pace it out over god like ninety thousand words yeah like that's a lot to think about it's certainly not something i could do to put it mildly now i think you absolutely could if you wanted to but you have better things to do with your time i do not have the attention span in the slightest i'd much rather read a really good story that someone else writes i kind of don't get the interest in writing a novel because it's like you know what's happening so why even bother just think about it in your head i like that you're considering writing as a form of like enjoyment and consumerism you're like i want to consume this product (laughs) but i know what's going to happen so what's the fun in that I'm basically really selfish. It's all about what I want and will enjoy. And I'd much rather someone else wrote books for me. than. Well, I think you're in the right 
role as a book podcaster. Definitely. And you're not selfish. You deserve the best. So Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I'll become a sort of Danielle Steele type author where actually I don't write anything myself. I just give them a little idea and other writers go off and do it. That would actually be really fun because then you can see what they come back with and be like, oh, that was really good. Well, I'm going to whack my name on that. Thanks very much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Money, I'd please. love to have a whole team of ghostwriters. Well, like that's the dream. Puppets. You're, you're drunk on power just hypothetically already. Yeah. <laughs> Minions. It's a skill, what can I say? Yeah. So yeah, and like I said, Rachel Abbott's other series, I think she's just got the two series. I don't think she's done any standalone novels, although I could be wrong. They're both absolutely fantastic. I can't recommend them enough, honestly, which mm. I didn't think I'd ever say about a police procedural. And also I find the series are quite tricky as well. I think mm. because really you only get a series if it's following the um the law enforcement characters yeah. and like I said that doesn't usually do it for me yeah I know what you mean I think also sometimes the pol the police procedurals it can get really bogged down in like the detail but but on the flip side of that it's actually what Elizabeth Haynes talks about when we interviewed her in a previous mm. episode for those who haven't heard it you should go back and listen because it's great and we love yes, Elizabeth she's awesome but she was saying that a lot of the details are often incorrect or inconsistent and yeah, I think there's it can be really difficult to get a good balance of following following the kind of realistic police procedure versus keeping it entertaining and interesting. Because I think for the most part, the police force just do paperwork. Well, exactly. Yeah, you have to be slightly unrealistic, I think, to keep it entertaining. Yeah, you just don't want like 30 pages about someone filing a report. Probably not going to capture people's interest. No, absolutely. Although if they've got a good filing system, you just, you know, maybe... <laughs> Well, definitely. I have to say as well, honourable mention, because actually when I finished this book and I was thinking, like I said, about how most of these are police procedurals and, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. It did make me think of another series, which is absolutely incredible. And I really can't recommend enough. And actually, if you haven't read it, you 100% have to because it's very dark, mm. quite twisted. So it's the Butterfly Garden series by Dot Hutchinson. I haven't read that. Well, it's actually the series is called the Collector series. Um, oh, I think I've seen it around, though, because I, th I think it did appeal to me. It's so good. And it's one of those books where I can't remember when I read it years ago. And I still think about it quite frequently. That's a sign of a good book. Yeah, it's about um, a, a guy basically who's kidnapping young women and collecting them and putting them in this garden in his isolated mansion and he tat he names them after butterflies and tattoos them to resemble these butterflies wow and it's it's so twisted but so worth reading you would need a big mansion in the middle of nowhere to keep a lot of girls uh, yeah and it's a lot of girls is it wow. how many butterflies are there there must be quite a lot of specimens i mean I'm, i have no idea i'm just speculating at this point is it a completist thing does he want to get all the butterfly types and then he starts again or I must reread it, actually, because it was so good. I actually just looked up on Goodreads and the average rating is 4.06, which I think is quite high for, a, really high for Goodreads. a crime thriller. Yeah. So, I mean, having said that I don't love series and stuff generally, I've just raved about, well, three separate series now. So You're a I've, liar. I know. I've really got to eat my words, haven't I? <laughs> so I would actually, I would genuinely give my book five tombstones. Whoa, five? Yeah. Thank you, Rachel Abbott. Well done, Rachel Abbott. I bet oh, she doesn't even know how prestigious this is for her. I know, like the greatest award she could ever receive, basically. <laughs> 
we should mock up miniature tombstone awards to send to the five tombstoners but not give any context <laughs> just post them a tombstone it's their name on a tombstone. <laughs> we would definitely not get in trouble with the police for veiled death threats we get good publicity for our podcast, I think. Oh, actually, now that you mention that, that could be pretty good. Like, no, 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 no. It's a prestigious honour to receive a tombstone. <laughs> it was a tombstone filled with love. That's a five-starer right there, sir. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, well, yeah. I'm I'm intrigued now. I'm going to have to pick that one up. Yeah, I, I really recommend it. And I'm surprised to be saying that. Me too, after you've been bitching about Harlan Coben for the last three weeks. <laughs> I still think about that book sometimes and get angry. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. You it's bring really... it up all the time. No, it's really fucked me up. I, oh, I, I've said this a million times. It's because I had such high hopes for it uh, and it could have been so much more than I thought it was. Yeah. So. If your three tombstone rating for that one feels generous considering all the bitching you've done. It does in retrospect, does it? Mm. <laughs> because I did enjoy reading it. It's just... <laughs> Oh, and you enjoy the anger to a degree. That's always fun to. Yeah, to that is true. So, Frankie, what did you read? Well, so as I mentioned, I've read it before and I've read it again, mm-hmm. and I'm really I'm going to apologise in advance if I pronounce the author's name wrong. Oh. I did look it up, but and it was a couple of days ago that I looked it up. Mm. But I read "Next Girl to Die" by D. Poirier. Mm. Have you read it? say so sorry i just took a mouthful of wine <laughs> really building the suspense there <laughs> no, uh, no i haven't read it i don't think i've even heard of it well allow me to read you the synopsis please see if it i'll say wets your whistle that's a weird thing to say <laughs> oh what a weird what a weird time anyway it's been 15 years since claire calderwood's sister rachel was brutally murdered in their small hometown in maine claire has finally carved out a life for herself as a homicide detective in detroit but the past comes crawling when the local police back home ask her for help with a murder eerily similar to Rachel's. Still haunted by Rachel's cold case, Claire returns home, hoping to solve the crime and finally put her grief to rest. As she starts investigating, the last thing she needs is a tenacious journalist, Noah Washington, asking questions she's not ready to answer. But like her, Noah won't give up until he finds the truth, and Claire reluctantly finds herself relying on him more and more, when disturbing new details about Rachel's death come to light. When the killer strikes once again, Claire knows he's not done. Now he's set his sights on Claire, who will have to find the courage she needs to survive a deadly confrontation years in the making. Mm. What intrigued? did you think? I am intrigued. What did you think of it? So obviously, I mean, the fact that I've read it twice now, I like it. Obviously, yeah, I think it's pretty strong. I, what I like about it is it's got all the ingredients that I like for this kind of book where it's super dark because like, you know, dead girls. Yeah. And that, you know, people have said in crime fiction, there is a bit of fetishization of dead girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I mean, there is an element of that. But with this one, it's a bit more sensitively done because it's her sister. Yeah. So and it's kind of told a bit of time travel involved where it go, flashes back to when she was a kid and like what happened before her sister went missing and was killed and mm-hmm. her now coming back to solve it she didn't want to come back to her hometown but the police chief there was like please come back you know it's after everything you went through with rachel we could really use your help and all that kind of thing the thing i think that people say most about this book because i i remember the first time i read it it kind of caught me off guard because there is a very 
graphic sex scene in it. Oh. Very graphic. <laughs> okay. Mm hmm. Like, you know, how sometimes you get like a sex scene in the book and it's quite like, you know, the classic kind of words that they use when they they like we want to be sexy, but we also want to stay relatively PG. Mm. This one's not worried about that at all. <laughs> there is no <laughs> there is no concern for PG. I'm so intrigued by the fact that you are stressing this so much. <laughs> Because it does, so basically, it's uh, slight spoilers. I apologize, everyone. But I mean, if you read any, if you Google any review about this, it's going to mention it because they all did <laughs> when I, I looked it up. Basically, she has this whole thing. So she comes back to town and she is confronted by this journalist mentioned in the synopsis, Noah Washington. And it starts off like he's a pain and she can't stand him and he's really annoying, but he's always there. And then all of it, it seems pretty suddenly that suddenly she's like oh, actually quite want to bang him <laughs> and she does i take it yeah oh, boy does she yeah for sure <laughs> but i don't know if it's like i i, I think what she did with that was it wasn't like some people in the reviews that i've read have been like oh, all of a sudden she wants to she like fancies him and wants to sleep with him but where did that come from i think it's that whole thing of you know they say like hate can be there's a thin line between like love and hate and lust mm. and all that kind of thing so it's like tension building i suppose mm. but yeah it is a it is very graphic <laughs> which you know some people i saw some reviews being like i don't know why this was in there it didn't need to be in there it felt completely out of place with the rest of the book um and didn't really need it for the story however i really liked it <laughs> oh, i'm sure you did <laughs> well you know me i just think why not because i think it's a realistic well maybe some of the details weren't that realistic people have sex and i think a lot of the time they skirt around it so much in books and i guess it's because they're trying to meet a mainstream audience they don't want to offend anybody or whatever but yeah. yeah it feels real to me you know well that's what matters and that is what matters and yeah if anyone wants to pick it up and i can i can send people page numbers if they want to get that straight down to business <laughs> it's like judy bloom <laughs> <laughs> The one dog-eared page. Yeah, you wouldn't think that I was like a 35-year-old <laughs> Like, I feel like I'm more like a 13-year-old boy. But a sex scene aside, I think that she does a really good job, like, establishing the characters and you care about Claire and her journey. She also has a really strange relationship with her mother um, that they cover quite well. And even what, uh, Noah Washington's kind of perspective on it is, you know, he's a kind of the kind of classic investigative journalist and he wants to, you know, blow the case wide open. He's very tenacious and everything. So I think they, they're a good range of characters. I'm not going to spoil any more than the very gratuitous sex scene, but the um, I've seen some reviews say that when the killer is revealed, it fell a bit flat. Oh, like Harlan <laughs> I, I didn't think it was, I didn't fall that flat for me, but I've seen some people basically, because I, uh, I don't want to spoil, I'm sorry if this affects anybody's enjoyment of the book, because it is good and I do recommend that you read it, but the killer turns out to be a character that isn't really mentioned all that much. Oh, that's quite frustrating. Mm. Yeah, I get why people were a little bit like, oh, like uh, I saw some reviews being like, I couldn't even remember who they were talking about. I had to go back and be like, oh, him, right, Ooh, spoiler, him, okay. or yeah. her. <laughs> nailed it Ruth. that is quite frustrating i feel like that would be up there with harlan coben for me oh my god the rage again <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> so this book is the first in actually it's only a two-part series okay because again i mean the fact that it's a two-part series is a spoiler in itself but she and noah go on and solve go on another murder case together basically so 
Do you know why it's only a two-part series? No. Like, it's just, it's interesting because if you're going to do two, why would you stop there, you know? like Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you get bored of the characters or... I can understand that. Mm. I do think that's a thing with a lot of the writers that write these series is I think you have to, if you're going to do it, you'll you have to you be fully aware of the fact that you are committing to this long term. Yeah. Especially if you, if you create characters that people end up, you know, falling in love with and build a following around. Yeah. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I also read the second one. And, oh, well done. And guess what? Was there big sex scene lots of big sex scene yeah 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 yeah, yeah. which is what i to be honest with you was was anticipating and hoping for i wonder if she did that because it got such a reaction the first one yeah that's the other thing as well if you are a writer that enjoys writing about sex then why wouldn't you put it in there i think it's i think it's fine yeah. i think it's great and you know sex positivity very important um she has a great time in the book so fair play to her yeah, good for her. Overall, I did really enjoy it. And obviously to the point where I read it twice. But I'm not <laughs> going to be quite as generous as you with my rating. But I am going to give it a solid four tombstones. That's a very decent rating. It is. But we're so sorry to Deep Warrior. We're not going to be sending you tombstone <laughs> unsolicited. <laughs> Just She'll yet. be devastated to hear that. Mm. I really, really like that idea now. I mean, it wouldn't have to be like actual size tombstone. <laughs> I would hope not. I feel like that'd be quite expensive. That would Tombstone's be my primary NG. concern. Yeah. <laughs> like a little yeah. paperweight one. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could do some research into this. Mostly we can do some mock-ups. I'd like a tombstone paperweight on my desk at work. I think it would be a conversation starter. With our podcast logo etched into it. Yeah. Or, you know, just my co-workers' names. <laughs> If it had like a like a, you could, a dry wipe situation, you could just change it depending on who's annoying you. <laughs> I like that idea a lot. That's I a really like the idea, idea of tombstone merch, though. I feel like this could be the future. Yeah. I mean, who wants another T-shirt? Well, exactly. I I say that I love a T-shirt. I get a T-shirt at every theatre show I go to. Oh my god! Just I don't. I wear them as pajamas. I'm not like that person in Sainsbury's <laughs> wearing a like, six the musical T-shirt. Well, aren't you though? <laughs> Not yet, but I mean, <laughs> as I get older, standards are really slipping, so it could be coming. Well, at least people will know how much you love musical theatre in the process. <laughs> and that's what matters. Absolutely. So, Frankie, I understand you've got an idea for next week's theme, or next month's theme, sorry. I'm really worried that you're going to say the theme is Harlan Cope. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a guest on our next episode. <laughs> Surprise! No. My my pick, there is a reason for it, and I'm going to give context. That's the word I've been looking for. I'm so intrigued. You're really building this up. Well, actually, it is a big one, and you'll see why. So for those of you listening who may not know this already, I have started a new podcast alongside yes. this podcast called The Labours of Hercule with my good friend Adam Roach, who does a load of other podcasts. He's one of those annoyingly talented and prolific creators as are you now yeah <laughs> yeah i guess i mean i wouldn't call myself talented but <laughs> prolific we can i can definitely say it's fine annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> just relentless like just won't like just keeps doing stuff even though nobody's asking her to <laughs> that one basically it's a podcast all about david suchet's poirot 
every episode is going to be looking at a different episode of the TV show, the beloved TV show that has run for approximately 100 years on yeah. ITV in the UK um, and internationally, just, you know, world renowned at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to bring up Kenneth Branagh again, even though I technically just did. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is your Harlan Coburn. <laughs> I have so much more reason to be angry than with Kenneth Branagh than you do with Harlan Coben. Yeah, fair. Yeah, until until Harlan Coben basically murders a, your, a, a family member, I don't want to hear a complaint. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh has never murdered one of your family members. Hasn't he though? He's tried. His portrayal felt like a killing, a brutal slaying of something beloved to my heart. But anyway, I said I wasn't going to complain about Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> but here we are. So Adam and I have been are going to be doing that. The first episode is out now. And I would just like to say, because I know that you're not going to toot your own horn, it has charted incredibly well in the Apple podcast chart. So everyone should yeah. go and listen because it is already well loved. Yeah, that was, again, I'm going to give all of the credit for that to Adam because Adam has built himself an incredible community and following around his podcast that he does, which... I highly recommend you check out Adam's podcast because they're incredible. Uh, the Secret History of Hollywood, Attaboy Clarence, um, The House of Hammer. He's, he's just, he does loads of stuff. If you like film and classic cinema and classic Hollywood, then you will love them. I know we normally keep our guests as a surprise <laughs> when we do this, but Adam is going to come on the next episode so that we can have a big old Poirot gush fest together as a family with you, Sarah. <laughs> That weird? <laughs> you really phrased that like as a family plus weird old Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah will be there too. So you're part of the family, obviously. It's going to be my you. two podcasting partners meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I have to seek I'm your excited. approval. So what I'm thinking, this is a very convoluted way of getting to my point, which was, what are your thoughts on our next episode? We do a Poirot book. Yes. Very excited mm-hmm. for that very excited for that i feel like people have asked for us to do more agatha christie content i think we're giving the people what they want yeah and it all ties in beautifully with my new little project that i'm working on with adam so yes no that sounds absolutely fantastic have the people been asking or actually sarah at least two people (laughs) (laughs) is one of them you (laughs) in the mirror No, actually, I'll tell you who one person who has asked a couple of times. I'm going to give a shout out to a long time listener of ours, Harsh. <gasps> yes, Harsh. One of Harsh. our favourites. Love Harsh. And also Michael has also said it as well. Oh, um, another of our favourites. Yep. People that have been with us since the How Not To Be An Idiot days who have yeah. stayed on this journey with us. They endured years of Hannah to get to this point. I know. They've really suffered so much. <laughs> and <laughs> they're still with us. So this the, that episode is going to be for you, Harsh, and you, yes, Michael. absolutely. And also for me and Sarah, because we do both love Agatha Christie. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the greatest gift you've ever given me. Well, I've, I think I've given you some pretty nice presents, so I thought I had. But, you um, have, but Agatha surely is the it ultimate. It was Agatha all along. It really, really was. <laughs> so in conclusion, it's always fun to end a podcast on a, a formal note. The next episode is going to be another interview one, but it'll be with Adam Roach. So that will be a lot of fun. And then after that, we will do a Poirot book. Very excited. I'm excited too. And we can ask Adam about his favourite Poirot book. Oh, I hope he's read a Poirot. He has. That could be an issue. (laughs) (laughs) I will give him a warning (laughs) before 
um no he's read he's read all of the agatha christie books and stuff amazing he's one of us cool i can't wait we got some good episodes coming up yeah i'm really excited and yeah please if you can stand to listen to me any more than this please do go and listen and subscribe to the labors of hercule because it is actually re- it's really fun even just as, as an excuse to re-watch old poirot episodes because we're mm. starting from the beginning which is a good excuse to get back into them if you haven't seen them for a while yeah and i suspect most people probably haven't at this point what sad unfulfilled lives people have led well yeah on that note you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you so much for listening follow us on all the social channels where at at red and buried podcast hey woo learning proud of you thank you very much and yeah thank you so much for listening and if you have any other ideas for future episodes or any authors you want to get on or if you're a friend of harlan coben's and you want to get him in (laughs) shout at sarah (laughs) You can email us at redandburiedpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, everyone. See you very soon. Yeah. We'll be back. Bye. Creepy. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Elsewhere on We Made This. We dig music. This is evidence enough that I was kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Particularly because your initial choice was from 1986. <laughs> <laughs> it was on a 1978 playlist. People yeah. that do year-based playlists need to calm the fuck down and check their facts. <laughs> I mean, granted, I am a person that's done a year-based playlist and I need to calm down <laughs> and check my fucking facts, which is fine, right? Yeah, that's fair. But, like... Or you can just do what I do and like just say, no, it's a compilation album it's released in that year and I'm definitely going to do it. I can't, no, I can't no. do that because he... <laughs> Yes, no. <laughs> Chris Rear has a time machine. He released a compilation of his mid-80s tracks. But, you know, earlier. the weird thing is, so, yeah, we, we switched this one out quite late on in our preparation for the Last podcast. night. Um, mm. and, and it made fuck all difference to any of our notes. A dream given form. A Babylon 5 podcast. On a science fiction heavy TV series. I'm not sure how much you can push the boundaries that way. So I think it has to be in terms of storytelling, yeah. and character, and progressiveness, I think. And kind of looking back at Sensei, I think that's a good way of going forward. So what are your thoughts around the idea of the CW network being a network to pick up above the five reboots? I, I don't know whether it's the right one or not, in all honesty. Mm. And with the recent kind of announcement that CW is being sold yeah uh, which is why um, the pilot script's not been picked up frame to frame the overarching narrative of Nolan's trilogy is so good Nolan dedicated an entire movie to us understanding Bruce Wayne and why Bruce Wayne Mm. wanted to become the embodiment of fear that's what that groundwork is what then allows the Dark Knight to become the incredibly tortured bleak like almost nihilistic beast that it is in, in which there's no such thing as a hero there are no heroes no exactly but as, as a question to you are you are you suggesting then if a film hypothetically was to exist without giving us the Batman begin portion but to exist in I don't know the second or third year of the Batman story that is dark bleak and nihilistic if it was not to have the Batman Begins, do you think it wouldn't quite work as well as The Dark Knight? Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.